Welcome to uh, yet another episode of Notes from the Back Row, a movie magazine style podcast brought to you by back-row.com, where when you subscribe, you will get lots of different types of episodes. You'll get episodes of Hoser Horror that you're listening to right now. You'll get episodes of podcasts like Jenna and Veronica's discussion of Robert Sellers' book Hellraisers, which is in the feed now. And lots of other different types of sub-series and, and you know, article-style podcast episodes. Um, you can find us, again, at backdashrow.com, and you can email us at backrowcineblog at gmail.com, and we're also backrowcineblog on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. As I mentioned, my name is Dan Gorman, and I'm here, as always, with... Me, Carlo. Carlo. hey And we are talking about Canadian horror, generally the... Hoser Horror episodes are a double feature of horror films. We did uh, Spasms and Blue Monkey recently. We did two episodes, two, one episode about Thor films. And so anything Canadian and horror adjacent or thriller adjacent, we talk about on Hoser Horror. But today we are taking our big widescreen and we're squishing it down to four by three square aspect ratio on the silver screen with an episode about Are You Afraid of the Dark? Before we get to it, we're going to open this episode with a quick discussion about being kids and getting into horror because Mm. Are You Afraid of the Dark for us Canadians and I have found over the years a lot of Americans as well, Are You Afraid of the Dark was a extremely seminal thing for a lot of children. So we thought, let's uh, discuss a little bit about how we got into horror as kids. Why don't you start? Okay, here we go. (laughs) No, I've mentioned before that uh, I used to be kind of like a scaredy cat as a kid, but yeah. like the more I thought about that, I'm like, I don't know if that was really the case because I was exposed at a really young age to whatever, really. Like I remember watching Robocop when it came out and Whoa. Uh, I'm from 83 and I think that movie is from like 87. Maybe I I probably didn't see it as a four-year-old, but I'm, <laughs> I'm like... 100% sure I saw Robocop 2 when it just came out. And Robocop 2 is from 90. So I probably saw them shortly after each other. Yeah, Robocop was 87. So in 90, I was like 7. But I was just watching that shit and my parents didn't really care. I guess they trusted me to like properly com- 
compartmentalize that shit. Yeah. So that's that's good on them because I was able to do that eventually. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know why, but I always felt like my history with horror was kind of like late bloomery and I still kind of feel that way. I think like the first horror movie I ever saw might have been like Child's Play 3. That was the one that left like the biggest impression, like the biggest first impression of, of any horror movie. I think I saw it at like a friend's birthday party and we were all like, you know, around that age, like seven, eight ish, whatever. Way too young to watch that shit. But my friend had parents who were the same way. They also didn't care. And this was also the friend who introduced me to Mortal Kombat, which I became <laughs> totally obsessed with. And I'm still like a big <laughs> Mortal Kombat fan um, ever since then. Like all that kind of violent shit where... I want to say Belgian parents. My parents were Belgian, but his parents, I think that was an Italian family. But yeah, they just didn't care. But anyway, yeah, you know, Child's Play 3, it kind of traumatized me for a little bit. It was a pretty big shock. Like, it's it's not a great movie and it doesn't hold up. And I mean, it's not scary now, but I still think puppets are pretty scary. So yeah, I saw that movie and I just couldn't sleep for weeks. And <laughs> actually kind of funny we were watching that movie I, I remember it pretty vividly and one of my other friends like during this really tense moment he gave me like a jump scare by grabbing me uh, <laughs> grabbing my back and like going boo <laughs> which, which is which is a total asshole kid move but yeah after that I quickly became pretty desensitized to all of it like started watching more horror I got real into the Critters, the Critters movies uh, nice. Friday the 13th Freddy as well like I, I would just constantly drew uh, draw comics and little animations even about them like I, I made this little paper animation of a critter like decapitating someone while i was like <laughs> in fifth grade or sixth grade or something <laughs> good times you know i guess other kids like in american canada around this age were watching stuff like are you afraid of the dark or goosebumps <laughs> but i'd already like I'd never seen either Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark as a kid growing up because we yeah. just didn't get that shit. Um, I asked Michelle as well because she's a 90s kid. Like, were you aware of Goosebumps at all? Like, was it on the TV uh, or, or like any other channels? And she didn't remember. She was like, yeah. if it was broadcasted in Belgium, I would have seen it. So I'm pretty sure it wasn't. She, <laughs> she is aware of the books, though. The books were translated uh, to Dutch, so uh, she loved those growing up. But yeah, we didn't have Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark. Uh, I was just watching, you know, Jason and Freddy. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, well, how, how about you? Like, what's your history with horror? Like, uh, is there anything you remember in specific, specific that traumatized you? Or Yeah, oh, for for sure. And, okay. and like you, I... I considered myself, I, I was a huge scaredy cat for okay. a while. And mm. um, I have memories of um, stuff like seeing Pet Cemetery. It must have been like 92 or it must have been like a like two years after it had come out. Somebody rented it or something. And somehow I was allowed to watch it with a with another friend that was sleeping over. And and that movie really fucked me up as a kid. Yeah. Specifically the scene of the guy getting his Achilles heel uh, slit because oh, then a for <laughs> like like a month I was you know um, jumping off the bed so that wouldn't happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and then so for a long time I was really scared of stuff I remember even when Jurassic Park came out I remember I 
was just a little bit too young to see it in theaters. So when it came out on VHS, I was a little bit older. And then shortly after that, I was finally able to see it. And I still remember the opening where the guy gets pulled into the cage or whatever scared the shit yeah, out of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was an intense movie as a kid for me as well. I remember I saw, that was the first movie I ever saw in the theater. I remember nice. leaving a really big impression, like uh, scary shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I had a couple movies that really freaked me out like those. Uh, there was a time where I saw Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors mm. some somewhere at a friend's house where I was not old enough to see that movie. Isn't that always the, the way it happens? <laughs> it's always at a friend's house. like uh, <laughs> With lax all, parents. All, yeah, all bets are off. <laughs> yeah, and so there's a scene in that movie where the uh, faucets come to life and turn into Freddy hands and slitter wrists. And then I went home and we had those faucets. Oh, fuck. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And but but a real turning point for me, um, I have two movies in my head as a real turning point. One that I think mm. is still an absolute classic that I love, which is Tremors. Mm. Um, and that movie, I taped it off of City TV. I'm pretty sure they didn't really censor much other than maybe some of the language because it was like a monster movie. So like the, mm-hmm. you know, the worms blowing up weren't wasn't too dis- disgusting because it wasn't yeah, it's, like humans. It's, it's not people blowing up exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so that movie was like funny and scary. And so mm-hmm. I was kind of able to get into it that way. Yeah. And then I also watched Leprechaun. perfect (laughs) and leprechaun was a movie that when the trailers came out scared the shit out of me the trailers were so scary i thought (laughs) and then i saw it years later like a few years later i think that was that like 93 so i probably saw it in like 95 when i'm like 10 you know or maybe 96 i'm 11 and and i watched it and i remember thinking it was really funny that he was like riding around on a skateboard (laughs) and when he like ran through the the wall it left like a cartoon outline for him and i was like oh, there's like something else here yeah. that I can, la- there's like a, a humorous element to this. So now I'm not as scared. There's still moments where he like jumps out and it kind of spooks me, but then I'm getting a release of like laughing too. Exactly. And so that was actually a real turning point for me, <laughs> the Leprechaun. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I yeah. have some fond memories of Leprechaun as well. Like probably one of the, one of the only VHSs I owned back in the day for some reason. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and then I would say, are you afraid of the dark? Um, you know, in 1990, when it first starting, started airing, I was mm-hmm. probably five years old. And I don't think I would say that are you afraid of the dark ever like legitimately scare scared me. But there mm-hmm. was definitely episodes that I thought were creepy. And it was definitely a good gateway for me because it was just scary enough to be entertaining but not so bad that I was ever like, I never had any thoughts of it. Like that's so scary. Like I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm doing it's, something bad watching this. It was just like fun. Yeah. It's fun. Like being exposed to just the concepts of horror movies in general. It doesn't have to scare yeah. you necessarily, but there's a lot of like history in that as well. And like you say, like just a mix of being scared, but also laughing, you know, are you afraid of the dark? Let's get into it. It was a Canadian-American co-production anthology television series. The two creators are DJ McHale and Ned Candle. And so this company named Sinar is a Canadian company. They teamed up with Nickelodeon. What happened was, the kind of quick backstory is, DJ McHale 
was pitching this anthology horror show to Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon were like, you can't scare kids. It's too scary. We're not going to have any of this. And so they passed on it. There was some kind of a new development employee at Nickelodeon who was hired and and was like, whatever happened to Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like, why isn't that something that we're putting out? And they decided to circle back on that idea, and they and they couldn't pay for it, so they found this company called Sinar in Canada because it's cheaper up here, I guess, at the time. <laughs> and I think it still is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's make this show. Mm-hmm. And so it it aired on YTV. And the first episode was October thirty first, nineteen ninety. And yeah, it's about a group of teenagers. They call themselves the Midnight Society. And every episode is them telling a spooky story around a campfire. And there's some light plotting of like, who's like, who's in the Midnight Society from season to season. Mm. There would be like people that left and they would get new characters. Yeah, it's generally just a horror light show, which is how DJ McHale described it. And how he said they they were able to pitch it because if it's not so scary. Yeah, I've I've seen it called like Twilight Zone Junior, like here and there on the internet. Yeah. Um, And... uh, was that thing that you linked me about like the title cards, a first draft of it, which was very Twilight Zone-y with like a door yeah. opening and stuff. And then like a mm. CGI eyeball or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, but they did not use that. They used that for the first two episodes and oh, then yeah, they for ended the pilot up. And, yeah. yeah, they ended up with this incredibly iconic opening scene for the series, which is like very dark blue sort of tinted night footage of a boat in the in the water and you know and there's spooky music and we get like shots of an attic and it's all dusty and there's a little clown doll and this incredibly moody opening which for for a lot of people it's like just seeing that you know boat and then the music starting Mm -hmm. you're like oh i know what's i know what this show is (laughs) oh yeah yeah watching these episodes was like one of those situations for me where you like flipped a little switch and like a flood of endorphins of nostalgia came back like even like at the end of the episode when you get the like upbeat version of the theme song where it's like like i was like oh hell yeah yeah it kind of sucks that i don't experience it like that because i didn't see it growing up i can see it though like uh it's a good like title title card design like that whole intro and music and everything i can see that like definitely being a thing like (laughs) a nostalgia trigger totally and the show was also a huge proving ground for a lot of people so i have a list here of people that got their start or were getting their start around the time of this show you have episodes with nev campbell uh alicia cuthbert Ryan Gosling, Jay Baruchel, Hayden Christensen, and I have a whole other list of names here, but there's a ton of Canadian talent that came from early appearances on Are You Afraid of the Dark? One of which we will talk about this episode. We're going to uh, talk about five episodes, and then I guess we'll, we'll rank them. Mm-hmm. Sure. And one thing I wanted to mention that I did not know until doing the research for this episode, is at the beginning of every episode, they throw something in the fire and say, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story the tale of, and then the name of the episode. And I always wondered what that was, and it turns out it's just coffee mate and glitter that they throw into the fire to get it to go home. Yeah, and isn't there like some pyrotechnics going on to like get fire? or? What? Yeah, well, apparently if you throw coffee mate in fire, it like goes nuts. Oh, really? Does it? Okay. So I think that's all they're really doing is just they have glitter in it to make it look nice on camera and then 
Copy well, that's, me. That's a cool little trick. <laughs> so should we get into the episodes? Yeah, let's go. Episode one on our list of five is actually the second episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? It is the tale of laughing in the dark. Cigars? Pick the right door and you'll go free. Pick the wrong door and there he'll be. And it aired on August 22nd, 1992, written by Chloe Brown, directed by Ron Oliver. Synopsis, a kid named Josh decides to prove that a funhouse isn't haunted by stealing the nose of the clown who was supposed to haunt the place. He learns that the story isn't fiction when Zebo pays him a little visit. And this was filmed in Windsor, Ontario and Montreal, Quebec. Uh, a lot of these episodes are going to be Montreal and Vancouver and mm. then sometimes some some Ontario. So this is a big one. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> this is like, you know, one of the episodes. If somebody says something about Are You Afraid of the Dark? They're talking about Zebo. They're ta- someone's going to be like, yo, Zebo. Yo, Zebo. <laughs> yo. <laughs> he knows what's up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. This is like super, super iconic. <laughs> How do you feel about it? <laughs> Listen. Okay. I'm listening. I am a sucker for this garbage. <laughs> you know, I thought it was fun. I think this ep- I think this is a fun little episode. Okay, okay. I like the little fun house that he's that they go in. I like That's fun. It. That's some killer clown shit, yeah. Yeah, and and I think that the stuff where he's in the house alone and he thinks Zebo's coming to get him, I think is pretty fun, pretty entertaining. Yeah, it's a little bit goofy. <laughs> um, yeah, I just jumped into these like head first without even looking anything mm-hmm. up, and I wasn't, I was only vaguely aware of like the whole yeah. concept of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I was like, Oh, this is like an <laughs> anthology series. I'm like, Oh, maybe like Tales from the Crypt or whatever. Yeah. And I go into it and I'm like, Oh no, no, this is some kid shit. Okay, fine. I need to like uh, uh, <laughs> re rejog my expectations here a little bit like uh, oh this is for children oh yeah absolutely like there's <laughs> never a real threat of like murder going down or anything or no no and, no. and i mean just from the soundtracks as well like reminding me a little of like banjo kazooie that n64 yeah. came like some real 90s whimsical ass shit you know yeah <laughs> but yeah with my like expectations in check um look uh, i don't love clowns necessarily i don't think clowns are scary i think they're just they're goofy so that part works for me like killer clowns from outer space i fucking love that movie because they're silly yeah because they're silly and they do like i mean kyoto brothers they're like they're legends so obviously that movie's amazing or that one move out of the dark because it's a serious movie it's kind of like a sleazy almost slightly erotic thrillery vibe to it and there's also like a clown uh, yeah which is a weird contrast but that works for me but yeah i uh, i wasn't too nuts about this episode uh it w- not high on your list <laughs> no not necessarily high there's some other ones i did enjoy this one let's say yeah near the bottom of these five for me at least okay uh, yeah like the and this this episode i would say introduces something that comes around a lot maybe not so much on these episodes but I've I've seen a number of episodes of the show that ha- kind of have the structure of, you know, this kid has to prove that he's not scared by doing something or going somewhere. And, you know, and then this sort of haunted horror story th- comes true for this character. Like there's an episode that we were going to do for the show called 
the tale of the midnight ride and that was about like a kid has to go to this bridge in the middle of nowhere because that's where the headless horseman was and then oh. you know and then all of a sudden the headless horseman's here but he's just a dude with a pumpkin in his hand and it just there's a lot of that in the show and there's also a lot of episodes where you don't get a lot of downer endings and you don't yeah. get a lot of endings where something scary happens right at the end mm -hmm. there's a lot of everything's okay in the end of these of the show yeah exactly like some episodes near the end i was like oh i wish they they just ended now <laughs> like just before it becomes good again but they never yeah. do there's always like oh everything's back to normal and everything good and like yeah well this gets horror so whatever <laughs> uh, it's fine like i'm not the target audience anymore for this movie i basically missed the boat for are you afraid of the dark <laughs> but it's still interesting going back to this um giving it the, giving it a place like getting acquainted at least a little bit uh especially like in the canon of canadian horror you know yeah and i've always found it interesting that i grew up thinking like this was just us in canada even though <laughs> yeah. i knew that it was partially a nickelodeon related thing they showed it on nickelodeon a lot mm -hmm. but in my mind whenever i heard somebody from america being like i love that show i was like oh yeah it's not just Ca canada mm -hmm. i guess it was a big export as well for nickelodeon but it is an export though like it's definitely canadian made the filming locations mm -hmm. and you know it's an insanely canadian vibe oh, okay okay because i know isn't goosebumps like a co-production as well i think it might be as well i think it also might be sinar the company i'll have to check yeah yeah because i know like a lot of canadian directors were done worked on goosebumps like just yeah. um what's what's he called ron oliver the director of um Apparently Prom Night 3, which I haven't seen yet, did a bunch of Goosebumps, did a bunch of this, like a couple that we... I, I don't remember if he did this one, Laughing in the Dark, but he did a couple of the others we'll talk about. Yeah, he did Laughing in the Dark. Oh, okay, yeah, there you go. Like, right off the bat, it's, it's him, uh, another Canadian. I think he did three of the five. Mm, yeah, yeah, I know two for sure, but I wasn't sure about this one, though. Um, next episode, The Tale of the Midnight Madness. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story The Tale of the Midnight Madness. Everybody's a critic. Let's go. This place is depressing. I, I gotta clean the house first. Six bucks? That's it? One popcorn, two sodas. Pete bought the second soda. Friday's supposed to be a good night. Six bucks is a good night. Well, this job's getting tough. Had to pick up two of these things tonight. <laughs> Make jokes. You're gonna laugh when they shut this place down? No, they'll never close through the outdoor. It's a landmark. Tell that to this aired audience. on June 26, 1993. Again, written by Chloe Brown, directed by DJ McHale, co-creator of the series. The synopsis is Dr. Vink with a va-va-va helps an old movie theater in danger of closing by showing a special version of the vampire classic Nosferatu. This episode <laughs> was the last one here, some trivia, to show a scene with the Midnight Society kind of talking about the story halfway through. So in Tale of the Laughing Dark and, and then Laughing in the Dark and then also this, there was a couple like structural things that they totally stopped doing. So after this, they never cut back to the story being told once it started. But uh, yeah, this is about... Movie theater is going to get shut down. So Dr. Vink comes in and says, show my movie. It's going to be a hit. And as all I ask from you is that you let me show a movie here once a week if this movie is a hit. And it becomes a hit. But then something spooky happens and it's possible that be the Nosferatu vampire is going to pop out of the screen. Do they ever name drop Nosferatu though? 
it might i think it might have said nosferatu the vampire or something on the screen oh yeah on the screen uh, as the movie plays yeah it definitely has a title card yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that's true apparently this takes place in the rialto in montreal yeah this was montreal for sure yeah yeah like the rialto was an actual theater in montreal and it is uh, it isn't open anymore it is a historical landmark now yeah which i found kind of interesting because isn't that what the kids are trying to accomplish like have yes it designated as a as a landmark one of the two kids in the show so it's there's two kids that work there and the the boy who works there is really upset that it's going to shut down and yeah so he's like trying to hand out flyers on the street and he's trying to go get the like proper you know forms to turn it into a uh landmark yeah yeah <laughs> keep it from closing down and everything yeah so a lot of good uh inside of the movie theater stuff in here yeah, if you like yeah, absolutely. vintage theaters totally you said this movie came out, um, this episode came out uh, June 6, 1993. And apparently yeah, the year that the Rialto became a landmark is 1993. Damn. So I'm like, which happened first here? That's kind <laughs> of interesting. I couldn't find like a specific date that that took place. But yeah, it was kind of like an interesting. Else. But yeah, um, I like this one. Uh, I can easily say that I like this one just because it takes place like in an old school theater and there's like yeah. nods to classic black and white horror movies like like you say Nosferatu. Um, mm-hmm. Movie also kind the, of reminded me a little of the movie Popcorn with uh, yes. Jill Shulman. Um And I just love the part in the episode where they go into the black and white movie. Um, yeah. The the boys trying to save the, uh, the theater. That was really yeah. cool. I wasn't expecting like effects like that. Um, yeah. Like based on laughing in the dark. Totally. That's a bit more of a just like there, there's no special effects. Yeah. There's a little bit of visual trickery in this one, which was really, really cool. Um, especially for like a, a TV show for kids, you know. Uh, yeah. Kind of took me by surprise, but in a good way. Nice. <laughs> I, I think the makeup for the the um, Nosferatu, you know, it is pretty good. Yeah, and yeah, it is. There was a couple of those effect shots where they walk into the screen and stuff. It's like, hey, this is this is a bad for the time. It kind of holds up. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. I, I don't think it was my favorite episode, but like you, I liked that it was in the movie theater and yeah, I thought yeah, that yeah. some of those effects were fun. And yeah, it was a cute, cute episode. Yeah, I wouldn't say it, it's not my favorite as well. Like it's not the strongest of these uh, or like the most memorable per se but it was good fun totally yeah <laughs> and it kind of made me laugh like this um the director what's he called uh Vink. when he comes out I, I think i saw him in the in the previous episode as well laughing in the dark i think he plays a carney yes, in there yeah he does yeah okay i thought i recognized him i'm like is this yeah. the same guy playing the director i'm pretty sure it is <laughs> like it looks like the same guy except like he looks more like he was stuck in jumanji for a couple of years <laughs> um, so yeah that was the first time he was in the show Laughing in the Dark, mm. and then he was in this episode as Dr. Vink, and Dr. Vink became a bit of a reoccurring character. Oh. I think he appeared on another episode or two with his little, uh, my name's Dr. Vink with a vuh, vuh, <laughs> That's like a little thing that he says, I think, in a couple episodes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. he was having it up real bad, but For sure. I'm, I'm always into that, so. So solid at Yeah, totally, totally. And then we move forward a year to November 1994 for tale of the ghastly grinner comic books take you into a world of fantasy and adventure but is it a place that comes from somebody's imagination or somebody's experience submitted for the approval of the midnight society 
I call this story The Tale of the Ghastly Grinner. Directed by Ron Oliver and written by Ron Oliver, a young comic book fan slash artist unleashes a villain from a rare comic book who turns people into laughing zombies. Mm -hmm. So this is about a boy who is an artist and he's dying to get into the business. He's got all these rejection letters and he gets a mysterious letter and uh, calls him to a comic book shop where the woman working there tells him that his work reminds her of this classic artist who wrote a book called The Ghastly Grinner, but it was too freaky or too funny scary, and it turned people into giggling zombies and blue goo shoots out of their mouth when they when they laugh. And so he has to kind of rewrite the book and finish the tale so he can, you know, end the reign of The Ghastly Grinner. Mm. What did you think of this one? So we're back to clowns, basically, with this one. Uh, <laughs> Jester. And, uh, yeah. Jester type. I'm not into it. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm not into the clown shit with this with Are You Afraid of the Dark. I'm sorry, man. Um, like I don't want to step on any. Yeah. Hey, no. I think the fun thing about this episode is we have nostalgia here with me. Like I had fun with them all, and to some degree. But now I want to know, like, what is it like to just watch this? You know. Yeah. I mean. I just don't want to be like a negative guy <laughs> and just hate <laughs> on clowns and dunk on clowns because like I said before, I love killer clowns from outer space. So it's not necessarily yeah. the clown aspect that bothers me, but I don't think it works in this one, like in the way that Laughing in the Dark didn't really do it for me. I mm -hmm. think they're also, this one and Laughing in the Dark are a bit too kid targeted, like... Too goofy? Yeah, maybe a little, which makes it even more childish and i'm already like lowering my bar of like okay i'm going into <laughs> kid shit so i i can't expect like proper scares or anything or like even yeah. like proper mood setting but uh some of them do manage that but not these ones that are just about clowns basically <laughs> um i'm like yeah nope not scary not fun fuck off clowns <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, some people thought this was scary. There, this is all, this one's on a lot of the lists on the internet as like one of the top, you know, episodes. And I think it it must have something to do with the like laughing and the goo, you know, dripping out of people's mouths because they people find that freaky. Or maybe the clown connection. I didn't even really think of him as a clown until you said it. Like, I guess he's a jester, so it makes sense. But I, I mean, if you think drool is scary, like. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I wake up every morning next to someone drooling, so it's not that scary anymore. Maybe I'm just desensitized. Yeah. I can say this shit because Michelle doesn't listen to the podcast. So. Nice. <laughs> there's some references here in the show. He There's a comic book that gets a hole burned into it, and there's ads in the comic book for Are You Afraid of the Dark and Ren and Stimpy. Mm. There's a lot of... I, I kind of enjoyed this one much like the last episode for taking place in... Uh, movie theater i kind of enjoyed seeing the comic book shop with yeah. all the like fake comics and the, the real comics in the background and stuff i thought that was kind of fun yeah that's that's true i do enjoy like seeing like time capsule stuff like that you know for me to be honest one of the things that stopped this one from being higher in my list i think the finale of the episode where he has to rewrite redraw the comic and then eventually get sucked into the comic and um, another character has to kind of finish it i just found for an episode around comic book art the art that they use for those things i'm like 
is it's not that you know mm-hmm. it's, it's it's like somebody trying to do comic book art it's not like a real you know a real comic book artist from the 90s wouldn't draw it like that it's almost like it's somebody trying to appropriate like what they think a comic is like yeah you know it's like it just doesn't read right and then no, on no, top exactly. of that we don't y- you have your episode end with a guy gets sucked into a comic book and like i don't get to see it yeah <laughs> yeah that was like one of my big things as well like the whole climax so to speak just lacks any momentum because you're just watching a girl read a comic book you're just getting yeah. the panels like shots of the comic book panels like ooh, real exciting stuff here uh, and then she just <laughs> ends up erasing the jester the, the ghastly grinner yeah. and happy ending and i'm like yeah well, that was kind of like anticlimactic you know not great not great um <laughs> Not the worst, but, you know. Now, we'll go another year into the future to October 1995 for the tale of the dead man's float. All right. I figure I got to impress you guys. So I'm taking my best shot. A lot of people don't like the way I am. They always tell me I got to clean up my act. But sometimes things are the way they are for a reason. And if you go making changes that shouldn't be made, you could end up with a whole mess of trouble. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story... The Tale of the Dead Man's Float. This is written by Will Dixon and directed by DJ McHale and is about Zeke and Clarice finding an abandoned swimming pool at their school where a secret is contained. Mm. That's a bit of an understatement, but the gist of this episode is we we open on a cold open in the past where a boy brings his younger brother to the school pool so that he can, his brother can swim while he canoodles with his girlfriend, but something happens in the pool and the boy disappears, and we cut to the future where the pool has been boarded up and a guy at the school finds the pool and they open it back up and did they you know disturb something when they did this mm-hmm. um, and so that's the gist of it this episode I will say is of all these episodes the one that gets name checked as being the scariest you know people like Zebo, and there's a thing with clowns for people but I would say when you talk about are you afraid of the dark if someone's gonna say you know not they don't necessarily think of this episode first mm-hmm. but they'll say oh that one yeah in the pool mm-hmm. with the monster in the pool that fucking scared me yeah. because there's some uh, there's some kind of not effects but like there's a costume involved yeah, yeah, that's yeah, kind of exactly. freaky for children. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's probably my favorite one. First off, I like the cold open in the fifties. That kind of reminded yeah. me of like like the prom night sequel, Hello Mary Lou, which also <laughs> like opens in the fifties and goes back to the eighties. Like some, you immediately get this sense that there's like a backstory to this whole thing. Like something's been yeah. slumbering. Which is like cool, you know, like setting the tone, setting the mood and everything. Secondly, what I also liked, the threat, whatever's there, you don't know until like at least halfway into the episode or like maybe even further than that. And it's kind of fun imagining that everyone's just scared of like, it's like as if someone pooped in the pool. Well, (laughs) you also... Uh, you, you, I can imagine you were led to believe that as well because there's a an element to the show where n- nobody see you don't see the monster, but you s- people are smelling the monster. They're like, also, oh god, yeah. something also. you know, rotten egg smell. Mm. What's going mm. on? And there's just yeah. like there's like POV shots, I think, of whatever it is. 
is in the water and yeah. you can just let your let your imagination kind of run wild with that and <laughs> so i just go the toilet humor right away uh, as yeah. i did <laughs> but yeah other than that i don't know not i don't have a whole lot of notes about this one but it is definitely the scariest one of this bunch yeah um, because first of all we all know water is scary because <laughs> you die in water instantly yeah yeah. <laughs> don't even at me with that swimming bullshit we all know that only works for like a minute and then you get tired and you need to sit which you can't do in water for very long so that's out <laughs> secondly though there's the goddamn ghost pirate drenched in blood yeah. that comes out of the fucking water to kill you holy shit yeah pretty good holy shit i it's got a he's got like a cool skull face yeah. and he's super like drippy and there's lots of things hanging off him. Yeah, Jesus. It's a good monster. That's a really good monster. I'm like, who who yeah. made that monster? That has to be someone who he's got skills yeah. or they've got skills, you know. Yeah, I, so I I made these I made these picks just based on my memories and also on lists on the internet mm -hmm. and one thing I do regret is that we we are lacking in the monster territory mm -hmm. and there are a lot of episodes where it's like monsters and creatures and stuff and this is probably the only one that we talked about today so you know it's interesting to think about this show because there's tons of effects based episodes yeah. some better than others but it is cool to watch to see like from the angle of of seeing you know people have to make effects on a low budget mm -hmm. and what are they going to come up with and stuff like even in this episode they try and do a, a like computerized effect where oh, yeah. um they he, he goes to like hit the monster with like a bat or whatever and it like goes whoosh through it like it's water mm -hmm. and they don't really pull it off because it's 1995 but like <laughs> it's kind of neat that they tried yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to make do with what you got and they did the intentions that are more important like i don't need perfect effects for yeah. anything like i watch too many shitty movies uh for that to be a truth for me <laughs> <laughs> no that that ghost dude was super scary and and super well made um, and then later that year, a month later, Tale of Station 109.1. second of every day, there are tons of invisible radio signals flying all around us. Yeah, so? So, with all those invisible signals, there's nowhere to tell if maybe hidden somewhere in the static, there might be a signal coming from some place we never thought of. Like where? Like maybe beyond the grave. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story... The Tale of Station 109.1. Uh, written by Scott Peters and directed by Ron Oliver, a youth obsessed with death discovers a radio station which takes its listeners to the afterlife this episode i added on the list just because it has ryan gosling in it and gilbert gottfried mm. and uh, <laughs> the gist of this is it's almost a riff on beetlejuice in some regards so is, is gilbert gottfried beetlejuice in this i guess like in the sense that it's riffing on the this idea that if if you die you go to like a waiting room mm. oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, you're yeah. trying you're like waiting to get into the other side and you're taking a note you're taking a number to wait okay that kind of thing um but then where it deviates it would be like the gist of this is some somebody gets lost along the way and is um confused for our main young man so what you're saying is that ryan gosling is beetlejuice 
Okay. Cool. <laughs> well, I guess Gilbert Gottfried would be Beetlejuice in this yeah, regard. Yeah, he but... just doesn't like to go out. He just yeah. he has a desk job and he prefers that. Yeah, it's basically about this boy. He kind of is obsessed with dying and death, and it almost opens in a weird, like, Harold Mod style, like, fake funeral thing. Mm-hmm. His brother, Ryan Gosling, decides it would be fun to lock him up in a hearse, and that's where he discovers the Station 109.1, which calls people who have been lost along the way to complete their journey to the afterlife Mm -hmm. and then he gets confused as to be somebody dead and gilbert godfrey's trying to get him to the other side yeah so i guess the biggest thing here is the fact that ryan gosling is in it as a kid yeah the weirdest thing about that to me was the fact that ryan gosling's voice as a child (laughs) sounds way lower than he does these days so I'm like, does he have Benjamin Button syndrome, but it only affects Maybe. his voice? So his, his voice <laughs> is just going back to a baby. Like he'll, he'll yeah. soon just be screaming in his crib. <laughs> no, that's that, that was a little bit weird. But yeah, kind of cool seeing him so young in this. I know he was like in Mickey Mouse Club and everything, but uh, yeah. he's a Canadian. So we should show up in Canadian catch shows as well. You mm. know? <laughs> yeah. And that's, I, you know, I really picked this one just because. I wanted to make sure that we had something with some example of all oh, before they were famous kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a fun little episode. I think Gilbert Godfrey's really funny in it. Yeah, agreed. I probably <laughs> wouldn't put it at the top of my list, but I do think it's a pretty entertaining little episode. Yeah, yeah. Also not my favorite one, but like you say, a pretty solid episode. Uh, it has some fun concepts. This one's not necessarily scary. Like in the holy no. shit, there's a ghost pirate gonna kill me scary, but... <laughs> It has this kind of mystery about, like, in a way that, like, an abandoned radio station is creepy, like that kind of concept, mm-hmm. you know, like finding transmissions that shouldn't be there anymore, you know, like yeah. this ephemeral, ghostly quality that I'm into. That was cool. And like you say, Gilbert Gottfried, I'm sure he has fans and people who hate him, <laughs> which I totally understand. I'm not sure why I like him, but I always get a kick out of him showing up, even though he's yeah. just like this shouty geek and that's all he really does. <laughs> I just call it the Eddie Deason phenomenon. I like Eddie Deason yep. for the same reason I like Gilbert yeah. Gottfried. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm like uh, a really big fan of Problem Child too. Like I grew up with that movie. That's probably like my most rented movie as a child. And he has some good scenes in that too. And he also has some lines in this that definitely made me chuckle. Yeah, you want me to put, I'll put one in that you had requested. Yeah, yeah, put yeah, in. put that in, put yeah. that in for I'll sure. put that in right now. Sweet. Roy, you got the wrong guy. Boy, if I had a dime for every time somebody tried to weasel out of death, it would actually do me no good at all, because I'm dead. What do I need money for? What am I gonna do? I'm dead. What am I gonna do, buy gum? But you're making a mistake. Yeah, that um, was funny. But yeah, solid episode. And of course, there's a happy end. The happy end, like the, the very, very end of it is kind of the kid just learning that he shouldn't be a shithead and put bugs in a yeah. bottle to die. Yeah. Which, okay, that's a solid message. That's a good that's lesson. That's a good happy ending message. Other than, ooh, yeah. we got away um, doing a bad thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> totally yeah i like sometimes in these anthology shows there's lessons to be learned and stuff Mm -hmm. and that's definitely true on are you afraid of the dark but less so and i did like that this one has that ending where he lets the the thing that he Mm -hmm. you know the little fly or bug that he put in there to die so he could watch it die he's like i'm not gonna do this fucked up thing anymore i want to go to heaven (laughs) yeah even though that concept of heaven and hell is bullshit but yes you know just be a good person just there's no reason to be to make other living things feel shit. Yeah. That's that's a great message. 
Yeah, totally. And I also like that uh, the afterlife bracelets that you get are slap bracelets. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. That's, that's pretty sweet. Again, super 90s. <laughs> yeah, hella 90s. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> okay, so that's our five episodes. You liked Dead Man's Float the most. Yeah, Dead Man's Float. That's number one yeah. for me. Totally. I, I, think, I think I'll say the same. Okay, cool. And then what would be your number two? It's either Tale of Midnight Madness or Tale of Station 109.9.1. I think uh, I think I'll say two is Tale of Midnight Madness. Okay, I'm gonna go with Station One Hundred Nine Point One. Okay, just because Gilbert Gottfried is it, I guess. <laughs> What's your number three? Uh, well, three has to be uh, Midnight Madness because. Okay. Yeah. Then I'll say three, Laughing in the Dark. Okay. What else? And then I guess for me that would be four. Station 109, and then five, Ghastly Grinner. What's your four? I think that, does that leave your four to be either Ghastly Grinner or Laughing in yeah, the Dark? I'm also, what are you I gonna think do? I'm also going to put Ghastly Grinner at the bottom, and so that means Laughing in the Dark gets second last, yeah. or, or, it's, or yeah. fourth best. Yeah, however <laughs> <laughs> you want to look at it. I mean, I've seen five episodes of this entire show. I'm sure there's like worse episodes than these five, yeah. so yeah. these are the five best. <laughs> that you've seen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's weird to put Ghastly Grinner at the bottom because some people really like it. I see. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like, but out of these, I think my nostalgia for Laughing in the Dark. I almost wanted just to put it at number mm-hmm. one, but you know, in terms of my trying to make it like, what do I think the best? Hail the Dead Man's Float. I mean, it's 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 not a perfect episode, but of these it's, five, I liked it the most. Yeah, it's really good, and it yeah, it has there's an ambition to the flashback and mm-hmm. stuff, and the monster is really cool. Yeah. I mean, honestly, just for that monster. Like, that was yeah. such a holy yeah. shit moment that the others didn't have for me as <laughs> totally. an adult watching Are You Afraid of the Dark without any nostalgia. So <laughs> I think that says something. <laughs> if you are listening to this and you'd like to let us know what you think are your favorite Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes or episodes that you wished we had covered, because <laughs> uh, I had a lot of anxiety about, oh, I picked the wrong ones. Um <laughs> Email us at backrowcineblog at gmail.com or tweet us at backrowcineblog on Twitter or Facebook and Instagram, backrowcineblog as well. You could even uh, message me on Twitter at YCKMD underscore. I'm also YCKMD underscore on Letterboxd. And Carlo is Carlo Goes Boom. Yep, on Twitter Twitter and and Letterboxd. Letterboxd. Exactly. All that's left is to, from these five episodes, do you think Are You Afraid of the Dark is an essential viewing for people interested in Canadian spookiness? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say you have to watch the entire show. I'm I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> I think if you have nostalgia, it's the kind of thing you can put on and just like yeah. not necessarily pay attention to the entire way. Just as like this background cozy thing for uh, yeah. following, you know? As a thing that exists, are you afraid of the dark? Because it's so Canadian and so ingrained in uh, kids growing up in the 90s and everything. Yeah, it's essential. No, no, totally. no question about it. And if you've never seen it, go check out a, you know, just Google best episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark and you'll see a bunch of lists with pictures and stuff and just be like, this looks neat. Maybe I'll try that yeah, one and, and, and see if you like apparently it. Apparently, you can just watch some episodes on archive.org. So check that yeah, out too. Totally. Awesome. Otherwise, keep your eyes and ears on the back row RSS feed for notes from the back row. Go to back-row.com. You can find all of our episodes there in the side menu. If you click there and click on podcast, you get our little landing page. But otherwise, we'll see you next time on Hoser Horror slash notes from the back row. Goodbye.
Bye bye. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>